Welcome to Have You Seen This, the podcast about obscure, overlooked, and misbegotten cinema. All discussions will be spoiler-heavy. You have been warned. Have you seen this? And I'm here with my friend Ifka. Hi. Do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? <laughs> well, I am Ifka. I am from Holland originally, which is why uh, we will be discussing a Dutch movie, which yes, everybody you, should be seeing. Yeah, you brought this uh, to me, actually. I, I asked Ifka to be on the program, and I was like, you know, pick whatever you want to watch. And then I said, have you seen? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she found us... A uh, Dutch movie from 1992 called The Johnsons. And uh, can you fill us in a little bit about it? Because you have like a fuck ton of notes there. <laughs> uh, the Johnsons is, is uh, I think, in Holland widely known as one of uh, one of our better horror movies. Also probably one of our only horror movies. Well, yeah, because uh, you, were, you were saying before we went on that uh, it makes a lot of top three Dutch horror film lists, yes. and I was like, well, there are only like four Dutch horror films. So one didn't make it on the list. That, that was basically it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but obviously, like, coming from myself, coming from an American perspective, um, you're used to, you know, having a huge, thriving film industry, and there are people more so lately, like, all over the country who are able to finance and make their own films from like you know micro budget to yes you know maybe something even a little more expensive but it's the situation apparently is different in holland yes in holland we get money from our government which i'm sure to like american filmmakers like that sounds amazing <laughs> yeah to american filmmakers it sounds great to other americans is like that's socialism it's disgusting <laughs> there's a reason we don't have that in america <laughs> but yeah we have uh, the dutch film fund which is um one of the only ways, actually, to get money, um, which is unfortunate because if you don't get your movie funded through that, you will not get your movie funded, period. Uh, which is also, I think, why it's hard for horror movies because, well, you also a lot of times have to, like, explain why you want to make this movie and why it's topical at this time or why, like, it has to have a whole story of, of importance. And when you get to genre movies, a lot of it is, you know, entertainment. Um, and yes. that, that, that's not enough. To, to get it made so usually it's a lot of dramas it's a lot of you know based on books or or something of historical value a lot of world war ii movies uh, not a lot of horror movies so it's always it's a feast when one of them actually gets through and gets made yeah which is again like kind of a reversal from american filmmaking because um a lot of times genre pictures are the ones that get made in the micro-budget world because, you know, especially with a horror movie, you know, you have a hook, you have something exciting that you hope that people want to watch. At the very least, they'll see some good kills, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Which and we did today as well. <laughs> yes, and what, what you do is, like, you max out your credit cards and then you make, you know, you do a Sam Raimi and you make an Evil Dead. Yeah. But apparently, like, in... And I am surprised that this movie got funded. I mean, in... I am too, to In 1992... Well, before that, because it was released, I, I read it was apparently supposed to be a Christmas release, which I think <laughs> exactly, which makes it even better. That is so heartwarming. But, exactly, according to IMDb, it was released on February fourteenth, 
which is also a great release date. Oh, horror is for lovers. That's beautiful. Exactly. Um, but yeah I don't know why it got funded but it did apparently it had good enough people attached to it um, that they they were okay with and every once in a while a horror movie will slip through the cracks and get made Um, although they did also have I read an interview with the director somewhere where he was saying that um, there's a whole deeper thing in there about this girl and and, you know growing up and her sexuality blossoming and she fears it but she longs for it at the same time so I, in Holland, if you apply for money, you always have to have a directorial vision. Yes. Um, and this sounds like the stuff that you would put in a directorial vision. Like oh. He was very passionate about the sexuality of teenage girls, is what you're telling me. <laughs> and in Holland, when you are, you get money for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, in Europe, they're a lot freer about that sort of thing. <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. Like, um, here, lately, uh, these days, you're much more used to seeing extremely weird genre stuff getting made and getting distributed because there are there are more avenues for it yeah but it's hard to conceive of and you know the movie is a little bit you know kind of tamed by today's standards especially if you watch as much schlock as i do you know um but you know the time and where it came from it must have been like wow really you know (laughs) i'm I'm glad i saw it in my 30s and not in my my teens would have I, I think you up as a teenager. Absolutely, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I have a lot of friends who saw it when when they were teenagers when it came out, and they were like, "Yeah, I'm still traumatized by that movie." And I I can sort of if you're young and you're not used to watching horror, I can I can see that this is uh, interesting in that perspective. Yeah, I uh, I think that um, well, seeing it as an adult, uh, the symbolism is pretty upfront. <laughs> but as a teenager, I think it would have been kind of confusing and icky. Yeah. Well, also, I mean, she's she's fourteen in the movie, like the, yeah. the lead girl. Yeah. So I'm sure if you're like a fourteen year old girl, you're like, oh my god, ah, this is horrifying. I don't want my period. Exactly. <laughs> I also read that apparently uh, one of the original titles for it was First Blood, because <laughs> <laughs> because she gets her first period in the movie. <laughs> so and now I know that I can't watch Rambo's First Blood anymore I know. without thinking of that. <laughs> wasn't it wasn't it touching when Rambo got his period? <laughs> I'm so glad they made a whole movie about that. <laughs> well, um, since we're, you know, now that we're rolling, um, can you give us a capsule summary of the film? I can actually, I can read you the IMDb summary, because I thought that one was, was a very good one. I remember reading the, the summary of this movie in English and being like, what, how do these things fit together? Exactly. That's like, it, it says here, according to an ancient Indian tale, a giant monster embryo residing in a crystal vase is predetermined to fertilize a blue-eyed woman. She will give birth to something evil to unleash horror and destruction upon humankind. (laughs) Ugly septuplet brothers, reproduced within the framework of mysterious genetic experiments, terrorize a young innocent girl who seems to be chosen for the sinister predestination. So this already sounds like five movies in one. Yeah, that was what I thought reading the plot. I was like, wait, what? Like, how does this fit together? Well, that's even when you watch the movie, you're like, how does this fit together? Yeah, and that was interesting. The way that it was structured is it's not a typical structure. I almost compare it to like a very... The the image that I had in my mind was of a very slow double helix. Like, because you had these disparate storylines and they very slowly spiraled together before eventually meeting in right before the climax and in the climax which is interesting um 
I feel like a lot of the time, um, as you're watching the movie, you're kind of waiting for the characters to catch up to the point yes. that you as an audience member are, because you're kind of like, okay, like, we know where yeah. this is going, like, figure it out, like... Yeah, they're very slow processing on information. Yeah. Um, and even, um, yeah. there's, you know, there's there's a, there are characters who are there for expository purposes, and one of them is the government agent. Yes. And the way he really is stingy in the way that he parcels out his information. He's like, oh, yeah, did I mention <laughs> that, uh, you know, they were born from, like, stolen eggs? Oh, I didn't mention that? <laughs> yeah, it's like, uh, and yeah. I also love that it, then it doesn't really come back, or it's not necessarily like, oh, yeah, that's, that's sort of part of it, that... Like, the mother only finds out in, like, a tidbit of, like, oh, by the way, they're the, they're your sons. Oh, okay. And then the movie's over. Like, this yeah. is no... <laughs> like, and um, I will give it points for the way that it um, kind of, like, sets stuff, stuff up. And it does pay off later. Like, yes. we were wondering early on why they were making so much hay out of the fact that there was a garbage strike in town. <laughs> but that actually figures into the climax. <laughs> no, they knew what they were doing. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, props. Because a lot of times in, you know, in shittier movies, like, stuff doesn't pay off. But I'll hand it to them. You know, a lot of times you saw it from a mile away, but it did pay off. Yep. No, and I also love how they utilize, like, you have, you know, the seven bad guys. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, tiny spoiler alert, but somewhat. Um, they all die in spectacular ways. And, and they, yes. I feel like they really took the time of, like, okay, what else, what other cool stuff can we do? Like, none of them die the same. Right. There's always something over the top and wonderful going on with the way... Uh... Well, that's smart horror filmmaking. Yes. Because, you know, let's be real. Like, the main reason that we go to horror movies is to see some... You want to see some really fucked up kills. And there yeah. were some good kills in this movie. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, and it's also funny looking at the people that worked on it. None of them were horror people, necessarily. Yeah. So I, I believe that the script... The producer bought the script in America. So it was, it was originally... It was written by... Roy Frumkus uh, by story by Rocco Simonelli, the guys who did the, the substitute one to three. Oh, <laughs> okay. Um, and so he, so the guy bought it from them, took it to Holland, gave it to a Dutch director who'd mostly done like uh, originally script by two Americans, um, taken to Holland, given to a Dutch director who'd done like comedy stuff mostly. Um, and I think then when he was done with the script, he was also supposed to direct it. It was four boys and a girl. Uh, but none of the weird, you know, Indian statue stuff was in it. Yeah. Um, and then that never got made. And there's, there's a, he eventually got fired. Um, I think his story is that, let me see if I can tell this correctly. His story is that they were like two weeks away from shooting. They had none of the locations. Um, he couldn't get more uh -oh. dates. You know, they couldn't move it on. Eventually the producer fired him and the rumor has it because the director threatened to throw a molotov cocktail at him <laughs> <laughs> but either way he got fired they tried a bunch of other directors nobody wanted to do it because he already had a reputation at that point uh, and then the current director got involved in it and i think he well he brought in a famous dutch author which is also interesting because he's not necessarily a, a screenwriter right um and then they put in all the the weird ritual stuff Based off of, they went to an exhibit and they found like an, an Indian embryo with a hat on. <laughs> and then they're like, you know what? That's so, what this movie needs. <laughs> so wait a minute. Um, what like w w was it in a test tube and it had yes. a hat on? Or yeah. So it was some sort of weird, you know. Okay, that was a joke. It was literally in a test tube and it had a hat on. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what the fuck was this exhibit? I don't know. 
It's the Hats on Things exhibit. Yes. Oh, you've heard of it. Hats through the ages. <laughs> you know, we have things and we put hats on them. <laughs> That's what we do. Uh, but yeah, that was the inspiration for... Uh, what's the weird thing called again? Let me look it up again. Zanga dicks. Yes. We shouldn't say it out loud, though. Which it... Um, oh, it's like Voldemort. Yeah, it is. You missed it, but over the end credits, they actually had, over the song, they actually had a guy chanting, Zanga dicks. Zanga dicks. (laughs) It rocked. See, I missed the end credits because I was so freaked out by the movie that I needed a moment. Oh, it was so scary. It was terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) What did, uh, the director got fired, did he go on to other stuff? Or did he just yeah, yeah, yeah. No, throw he went on Molotov to a, cocktails at people? Yeah, that, that's the last we heard of him. That's, no, he went on to do a lot of a lot of other stuff. Like, he's a famous... Uh, both, actually, the director that took over and the director that I was originally attached to it are, are, are big Dutch names. Um, neither of them in horror. There's also hmm. a rumor that the director who eventually did it, uh, Rudolf van der Berg, um, he didn't know he was making a horror movie until someone on set was like, you know, we're doing a horror movie, right? <laughs> but I don't know if that's true because he was involved in the script. So I feel like he needs to at least... He would probably have guessed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because it does have, at t- you know, not to evoke Evil Dead again, but it kind of does have that feel of, yes. feel of being not just horror, but also there's comedy in it. Yep. Like, not as overt as in some movies, but there are like funny touches. Yeah. And there's a lot of blood. A lot of blood, yeah. Uh, yeah, and I would love to actually know uh, how many movies they watched as research before. Like, if they were like, oh, I've never made a horror. Let's watch these movies. Because uh, I feel it's definitely question. influenced by... Uh... Yeah, because, and again, seeing as it was made in the early 90s, it isn't like today where you're like, well, I'm going to go to Netflix or, yeah. you know, you just, you or you can torrent, like, whatever you want. Yep. You know? Uh-huh. So I'm sure they were limited to what they could get. Yeah, and also probably how much time they had, given that, you know, the project was almost ready to go and then couldn't... So I I doubt they had a lot of time to get it all off the ground and make it. Yeah. Um, But still, they did it. And Uh, they pulled it off pretty well, I think. Yeah, and I I actually very much enjoyed it. (laughs) Yeah, it was... I... It was... It was very well produced. Yeah. It was nicely shot. It was nicely photographed. You know, the acting was good. Yeah, no, and the, the, the embryo's creepy. Yeah, because like a lot of times, sometimes with horror movies, like you have there, you have to have a little bit of sus- not just suspension of disbelief, but a suspension of like uh, budget expectations. <laughs> but this was actually yes. this was actually well made. Yeah, I was gonna, it, it it can't have been a big budget, like knowing knowing what we work with in Holland and also what was probably given to a horror movie. But it didn't feel cheap. No, it didn't. Um, a lot of trash. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> was there actually a garbage strike going on at the time? Or... Not that I know of, but <laughs> they told the lead actor, "Sorry, but you actually have to jump in the garbage." <laughs> yeah. The, the I, I, I kind of hope that there was actually one going on. They're like, you know what? We're gonna use this. We, can we can't get this. rid of it. Also, mm. that um, the lead actress, I think she was in a bunch of um, Verhoeven movies. Yeah, she was good. Good catch. Yeah, Monique van der Ven. She was in uh, Turkish Delight. Yes. Um, yeah, and she tried to make a career out here as well, uh, but didn't quite get it off the ground. And she's the uh, um, ex-wife of uh, Jan de Bond, or Jan de Bond, as he is called here. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when they tried to make him into a big-budget movie director over here. Well, he pretty much succeeded somewhat in that. Like, he did, like, Speed and Twister. When he, uh, it was a big thing in Holland when he did Speed. Of course, it was a big thing because it was a giant movie. Yeah. Uh, but also, Sandra Bullock kind of looks like a younger version of Monique van der Ven, who was the lead in this. So oh, everybody's yeah. like, wait a minute. You <laughs> just casted a younger version of your ex. <laughs> <laughs> we 
Well, that's why he liked her. He has that's, a type. Uh, he does. <laughs> I'm sure Sandra Bullock is happy that he did have a type. Yeah, exactly. So you oh. get cast. Exactly. That's what happens. I also yeah. found it interesting that they had the the uh, male lead was a man of color. Yes, who actually is a university professor. Like he wasn't like you know a garbage guy or something yeah. like that. <laughs> I mean, they did they did make his dad into basically a witch doctor. Uh, out of the blue, that yeah, was kind of the beauty. <laughs> Like and I remember when we were we were watching the film and I was like, wait a minute, his he's Dutch but his dad is from the Amazon. But you pointed out that uh, yeah. there's a colonial yes. connection. Yes, yeah, there is. Um, Suriname, I think Suriname is how you yeah. pronounce it. Yeah, it is or used to be actually. I shouldn't say is that that's a horrible thing to say. <laughs> it's ours, <laughs> uh, but that used to be a Dutch colony. So we have a huge population from Suriname. Um, oh, okay. And in the movie, they they use that saying like that's where the dad was born and where he grew up, and it's like close to the Amazon, so he knows that stuff. Which is um, cool because like a Dutch movie from 1992 is like far ahead of mo- current American movies in terms of casting uh, a yes. black lead. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was also there was also some English dialogue in it. Is uh, English fluency relatively common? Yes, in Holland. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the first, the, the the doctor, the Mr. Johnson, is, is an American. Yeah. Um, but I didn't, if there if there were other English parts in it, I didn't even notice it because it's so ingrained in uh, I gotcha. our way of speaking. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it was a it was a great shot at the international market on the part <laughs> of Dutch filmmakers. It's a very it's a very weird film. Again, like it's very. Um, like, if you've seen a lot of horror, it's, you know, it fits in kind of those comfortable grooves of, you know, yep. horror tropes and whatnot. But oh, no, it does. It has, like, the dreams and it has, uh, yeah. Yeah, this, the the scary ethnic religion. Yep. Also, another thing where it's it's light years ahead of the U.S., male nudity. Oh, yeah. There are wieners in this movie. <laughs> wieners and butts. <laughs> There are also wiener heads, like they're, they're masks that. Look I like love things. how um you were like, oh, I didn't even get that those were like penises. No. <laughs> <laughs> I thought there was like a mushroom symbolism going. Well, on. no, because there is literally um there is a scene where um the younger female lead is she's dreaming she's walking through the woods and she's walking through all these mushrooms and I'm like and because I'm a twelve year old I'm like huh, huh, huh. they're like dicks it's like dick symbolism huh, that's funny and then um. She gets attacked by these nude men with big domed masks, which look huh. like dickheads. Or- and I'm like, wow, okay, that's obvious. <laughs> but apparently not to everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I just was like, whoa, she was walking through mushrooms and now she's being attacked by mushrooms. How psychedelic. <laughs> that makes it sound more adorable than it was. <laughs> Did you also miss the part with the unicorn? Because I totally saw that. <laughs> It's like, uh, attacked by mushrooms sounds a lot cuter than just gang rape. By giant penises. By, yeah. yeah which, is, which is what happens. Pretty much, yeah. Again, it's, it's, a, it's a very subtle film. <laughs> but um, I like how you pointed out that um, in the subtitles they say, you know, the girl says my period, like I haven't got my period, whatever. And then in, you know, in Dutch she's saying, oh, did you, I didn't get it yet. Yep. Yeah. Which I also, I, I kind of... I, I like this seeing the subtitle in that. It's like the sub, like someone who was subtitled was like, mm, they're not gonna get what it is. I'm just gonna put period in. Well, in this country, our sex education is extremely poor. 
So, in fact, before we watch the movies, uh, the movie Ifka needs to show me like a big box, a uh, big book with pictures in it. <laughs> she's like, "See, the man lies next to the woman." And then that's why like, you had penises oh, on the mind. That's, exactly. That's See, they were mushrooms. <laughs> they were. It was. It was actually a cute little mushroom dream. <laughs> um, so I feel like the capsule summary kind of doesn't encapsulate the insanity of this movie. There's so much going on. Because it... And again, like it... You know, you kind of get where it's going, but it it takes... It's such a long arc. Yes. To get to where it is. And you're kind of waiting to see where these plot threads are going to come together. But that's what I, I thought was be- interesting in the beginning, is that it just felt like it was just falling from scene to scene without there being much of a through line. Yeah, which was kind of cool. I like movies where scenes kind of you know, stop abruptly, you know, go yeah. to the next scene and le- they leave you to draw your own conclusions. Yes. Yeah. Although here it, it, it was definitely also a lot of plot reasons. Like now we're cutting to the professor because we need to hear about this. Yeah. And then we're cutting back to the mom and the daughter because we need to have this thing. And then there randomly there's a dream in it with a shot. Like there's a lot of random shots of her toys. Yeah. Which I kind of thought was Oh, was well, because yeah. she's leaving girlhood behind. That's... Like at true. one point, there's even like a doll with like a smashed head in her room, and I'm like, why? Why would you keep this broken ass doll? Oh, it's because of the garbage strike. She couldn't toss it. Yeah, she couldn't <laughs> throw it away. They wouldn't. They wouldn't take it away. <laughs> I think that's exactly right. Yeah, exactly. But um, uh, but it had it had a. I liked it because it had a, a different feel to it than than a lot of other movies. Well, like, because it wasn't very straightforward. Yeah, because um. Most genre pictures tend to keep pretty strictly to the three-act structure. Yeah. Because it's like, you know, why fuck with the formula? Yep. And um, this it this didn't have that kind of structure. No, it didn't at all, now thinking of it. And, and, and that's why I'm wondering if that might have had also something to do with, A, that the writer um, is a novelist. Yes. Uh, and also that none of them knew a lot about horror movies, or at least were, were, horror, were like known horror names before they did this. Yeah, it kind of makes me think of how... Um, like, for example, um, John Sayles doesn't structure his movies traditionally, and he has also written novels. I yeah. mean, like, I think um, Mate Wan, like, he broke into, like, six parts, like, right, story-wise. Yeah. So it's not, it's not like, a traditional, like, 3 structure form, which is, which is cool. Yeah. No, exactly. It definitely made it, made it interesting. Yeah. Um, but it's, I also thought it was cool to see how... I almost want to read, like early version like the first screenplay that he bought in america and then what yeah. happened just to see what kept on getting added because yeah. at the end there's just so much there's so much stuff uh, and it, it all makes sense like i wouldn't want to lose any of it because i think it's all wonderful but there's no, it's a true. lot of stuff going on because at the, the beginning of the movie like i think we were both feeling like it was kind of overstuffed yeah we were like this is a lot yep. going on huh. but again it's that double helix thing where it's like uh. they just kind of twist together into one rope which is which is pretty neat I do wonder if um, they did a little shuffling and editing. I feel like they did. Because yeah. in terms of laying out the plot, yeah. like it, it feels like it's laid out in the proper sequence, but temporally, there are things that don't make sense. Yeah. Like um, the professor getting jumped on by the government guys. Classic, yes. And then there's a big, there's like a 
big old chunk of time where I'm like, so uh, they drove him to his class afterward, or yep. they just hung out for several hours and got a burger, or... No, I was wondering that as well. Like, it feels like, because later you have the scene with them on the boat going to the fort. Yeah. And I feel like those... That, that would have been the normal progression, but yes. in between there, there was this giant chunk of him teaching a class and going to the pizza place and going, and it's like, well, okay. Yeah, like, it, it probably it probably was that these were maybe laid out more sequentially, and then maybe yeah. in editing, they were like, no, you know, like this actually, like, makes more sense story-wise. Or, but when you put it together in, a, in proper kind of story beat order, like, it messes with the timeline a little right, bit. Right, yeah. Not in a way that, like, ruins the movie, but it kind of leaves you going, like, wait a minute, like... Yep. What, what what were they doing that whole time while the mother and the daughter were doing this? Yeah, exactly. Because you know? the whole movie builds towards, or not the whole movie, the whole first part of it builds towards them the, the boats crossing each other, like the mom and the dad, the daughter in one. Yes. And, then, uh, and I feel like that's probably you're like, okay, we have the mom and the daughter storyline, and we have his storyline. Doesn't matter if it makes sense. Let's just shuffle it in such yeah. a way that at least they can be in the boats at the same time. <laughs> and that was kind of interesting how... Um, the professor and the mother and daughter cross paths yep. literally early in the film and then they don't come together again until the very end. Yep. Kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> although there was never, and that's kind of what I, I feel like in American movies or in like more traditional movies, there's a certain point where everybody has all the information. And I yeah. feel like in this movie, the leads at the end still didn't have all the, like it was never fully explained to them what was exactly going on. No, the audience definitely knows way more about yeah. what's going on than they. Yeah, don't. and eventually, like the the professor, I think knows almost all of it. Yeah, but still, the mom and the and the daughter, who are basically the two leads, uh, at the end, still have no clue. Yeah, they're kind of in the dark because yeah. they wouldn't they they haven't been privy to the whole explanation of where these exactly. tuplets yeah. came from because they basically oh and um, I should point out that the movie, the first scene in the movie has an amazing POV shot from inside nice. a womb. <laughs> This that's exactly, impressive. Yep. <laughs> like, I was like, okay, that's cool. Yep. That's unique. Uh, and it was. <laughs> so basically, the um, these seven, these psychopathic septuplets are the product of a Mengele-esque yes. experiment. Um, how does it tie into the, the evil Amazonian deity? <laughs> so the evil Amazonian thing... Uh, the embryo statue, which is creepy as fuck. It is a nice uh, prop. Oh, it's an awesome prop. Which you, um, it's funny because you don't really get a good look at it in the movie. It yeah. tends to be kind of shrouded in light and fog. But which they, is well done. Exactly. Yes. Which, again, it's like, okay, you, you hid probably what was, what you didn't have enough budget for. But yes. Cool lighting. But what's funny about it is that, I don't know about the box because I, I rented this movie, but it's on the DVD cover. Thank you, Anchor Bay, by the way, for bringing this over to our shores. <laughs> yes. The... The creepy embryo is right on the DVD, <laughs> like complete in like you know. I'm like, is he holding his penis? Is that is that what he's doing? Oh, oh God, it's a you... snake. No, well, that's it's, a it's metaphor. It's... <laughs> no, I've got some mushroom. Okay, <laughs> it's that's not dirty it at all. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like um, it could almost be a production photo of the prop. You know, without yeah. the, because it's an embryo that sits in a crystal, but the crystal isn't there, like kind of obscuring it. It's just like yeah. here's the prop. It's really creepy looking yep. in the light of day, which I find kind of hilarious. No, exactly. And I've, I've also heard that apparently the main actress, uh, the 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 girl actress, um, she got that prop and then she gifted it to a children's theater. So there is a children's theater in Holland that has like a creepy embryo statue. I assume they use it to keep the kids in line. <laughs> 
Like, they don't show it to them unless the kids are really bad. <laughs> and then they open the cupboard and they're like, this, this is what wait, what's waiting for you. It's like Mushroom Man. If you, ah! <laughs> How inappropriate. I'll learn my lines, I swear. I swear to God. Uh, but yeah, so apparently, according to the story within the movie, there's like a tribe in the Amazon that has to guard this statue. And there's a legend involved with it that seven brothers um, will impregnate their sister. I don't know if all As seven has to do it. Yeah, exactly. Or at least, and then uh, the baby that comes from that will be will bring darkness upon the world, or something in that makes uh, sense to me. Exactly. So we have this, you know, this girl who doesn't know that she has seven psychotic brothers. Um, oh yeah, because she is their sister. Yes, because her mom gave birth to the set. Did she no, give birth she, to those? It's su- it like I. I knew that she was the mom going into the movie, so that's yeah. I was looking for it. There's one tiny little line when the mom and the and the daughter are in the car, they're driving, and the the daughter is very worried. She's at 14 and she hasn't had her period yet, and then the mom says she asks like, "When did you first get it?" And she's like, "I actually had to go to the hospital for that." Oh. And then later on, there's they say something about that they stole an embryo from an unsuspected person at the hospital. <laughs> As you do. Exactly. Uh, and then later on in the files, they figure out that it's her. How they figure that out in, like, you have, like, files of these are 20 women that we stole embryos from. Like, how do you know that that's them? Yeah, and this was, um, this was very early in the use of uh, DNA for identification. Because as I recall, huh. because I'm a huge true crime buff, that it was in, it was only in the mid-80s that uh, DNA was used in a trial for the first time. Oh, wow. I believe it was around 1986 or so. It was like a famous British case. Huh. Um, they don't really mention DNA in the movie because Jurassic Park, yeah. the movie, hadn't come out yet. That's so, why. <laughs> so people didn't understand huh. the DNA because they explained it in very clear terms with that little cartoon. Yeah, no, exactly. Now, now so we all know because yeah, we've seen because that movie. it's entered the public. It sounds stupid <laughs> to say, but it's entered the public consciousness because of Jurassic Park. Thank you, Jurassic Park. <laughs> <laughs> Although I think Jurassic Park, the book came out in like late 80s. But that didn't have the cartoon, did it? No, no. No, it's no. the cartoon that, that. So until then, it was all Greek to us. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so, um, okay, like suspension of disbelief, like how did they. Yeah, because they had a file. They had files, and then there's like, with oh, the there's mom's picture. Yeah, and then they were like, well, if it's not these four, then it has to be this one. And I'm like, I, I don't even know how you narrowed it down to four. Uh, but I'm I, I'm only thinking about this later. Like I, at that moment, I'm like, of course you found her. Yeah. <laughs> that's what one does. It's movie logic, exactly. And there is yeah. there is some humor in that scene with you know everybody digging through the files, and then the only way they're able to find the correct one is when the witch doctor comes through beating his drum with yep, a with a rooster with a chicken in his cart. Uh, <laughs> it got, there's some weird humor in this movie, which is pretty amusing actually. Yeah. Like uh, tonally, the movie's a little bit uneven. Yes. But not not in a way that kind of gives you whiplash yeah like you kind of roll with it you're kind of like, oh, okay you know now, i'd be curious to see if it how it would be like first of all i love that it, it originated from an american movie and then i think was very much dutchified well yeah a, because initially it was about like hillbillies oh was woods. it yeah i th- i think it was about like some kind of like fucked up hillbilly family which oh, that's, that's which is yeah. american as hell exactly. that's that's a whole like american subgenre of horror like going back to some of the most like culturally significant horror films yeah. like 
you know um no, i feel like that's his own sub- subgenre of, of yes horror, yeah yes because my like my friend mike for example like just loves anything with hillbillies in it so he's an expert i'll have to have him on the show soon because he can <laughs> definitely hold forth on that but yeah it is kind of uh dutchified mm-hmm. yeah and i i feel like every person who who worked on it kind of put their it's, it's almost like people came together like well, we'll never make a horror movie again so let's <laughs> put everything that we find scary or everything that could be horror in this movie like test tubes that's great let's put that in there well especially like mm-hmm. in holland in the early 90s like this is our one shot to make a movie yep. exactly <laughs> <laughs> so you might as well throw the kitchen sink in there yep and and they did yeah, because also, like, an earlier draft of the script, like, when uh, the first director was still attached, only had four brothers. And usually I feel like whenever you pitch something, it's like, it has ten bad guys. Like, the first thing a producer would say is, like, Let cut, let's cut that to three. Like, let's make that cheaper. True. And here I love the decision that they're like, you know, four is not enough. We need seven of them. <laughs> well, and there's also, like, a numeral seven thing running through the movie with, like, uh, you know, the girl's 14. Right. The brothers are 21. Yeah, they were seven when they started seven. killing. Yeah. yeah. Although they killed 16 people, so that throws the whole oh, thing off. They that's... fucked up. Now I hate the movie. Yeah, that, fuck this that movie. ruined it. Ruined your movie. <laughs> they should have killed either 14 or 21 people. Or even 17, I would have been okay with because there was yeah, still, well, yeah, seven there's still there. seven in it. Or they could have killed 63. That's, yep. <laughs> they could have done that. Or 77. <laughs> <laughs> I think that you have half the population of Holland at that point. You know what's another thing which is very not American about this movie? The fact that guns only figure in it once toward the end. Yes. Because if this That's were an true. American movie, there would have been like about 450 guns yeah. in it. No, and there's there's only one, and it's a small gun. Like, I think the guard at one point has a gun, but that's just a random shot of someone walking by. Yeah. Uh, But the only gun that's actually in use is the one tiny handgun. Well, those guards sucked, and I don't even think they knew how to use a gun. That's Like, let's get real. (laughs) (laughs) Those guards are really bad. Yeah, they were were pretty bad. But, you know, they had to be. Yeah, that's true. To, uh, you know, let the, Uh, the guys out. Yeah, I think they were all hired on how much you love Laurel and Hardy. Yeah, well, a lot. <laughs> well, I, you know, it's like, uh, is this? And I think you turned to me. You were like, "This is all that we had to watch in Holland in the nineties." <laughs> so, so that's why they were enraptured. They're like, "Oh, the pictures move, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> and their sound. What is this?" <laughs> yeah, the year after we got running water, so it was, it was a good, the nineties were a good period for us. <laughs> Not since the tulip boom. <laughs> Had the economy been so on fire? <laughs> <laughs> oh, but then there was that tulip bust. It was terrible. That, man. Don't even get me started on that. <laughs> I remember it well. <laughs> Not fondly, but So well. you're 450 years old, right? Uh, always, but that that's the Dutch teens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I also heard that this was... Well, heard this is probably true because um, it's a fact. Uh, but yeah, this was the, the last... Dutch horror movie that came out uh, that decade. That's amazing. Yeah. It just, it kind of shows like how small the industry is like in a small country. Yeah. Because. <laughs> now, and especially for genre movies that, you know. Yeah. There, there, there might have been <clears throat> shorts, but like no, no big feature um, of horror, which is too bad. And then like all of a sudden, I think a few years later, you had, well, a few decades later. Uh, two came out at the same time. It's like, oh my god, what is this? <laughs> yeah, I feel like, um, you know, from again coming from an ignorant American perspective, it's like, what Paul Verhoeven's like 
75% of the Dutch film industry, right? Like, he made all the biggest movies. He did, actually. <laughs> like, isn't, like, his, uh, like, Turkish Delight is still one of the, like, highest grossing yeah. Dutch movies of all time? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think it is. We should, I should fucking see, because it's got... You should, it's actually. It's got Rekker Howard in it, for Christ's yes. sake. Yes, and Monique van der Ven, who was the lead in Yeah, this. exactly. Yeah. yeah. You know, and it's a Paul Verhoeven movie. He's always No, exactly. And it, it, I think the first... 30 minutes of that is just people having sex. It just goes on and on. <laughs> he doesn't, Verhoeven doesn't mess around, does no, he? No, no, he doesn't. Not at all. Oh, I remember what I was going to mention. You know what I loved is that um, you totally called it when the girl was wearing white <laughs> pants. Well, I mean, the whole first part of the movie is about her wanting to have her period. Yeah, there's so much setup for this girl yep. getting her fucking period to the point where she like pulls out a tampon. <laughs> And unwraps it and sticks it in a glass of water and laughs. I'm like, um, that's not how you use it. <laughs> but those are like, they're moments, and I, I hate to sound like such a girl at this time, but it, it those are the moments where you're like, I know this was a male screenwriter. Like, there was no yeah. woman involved in it. No, that's true. Uh, that's true. Unless there's a whole slew of women out there that actually put tampons in glasses of water, but I, I, I was not one of those. No, I never did uh, either. I mean, I guess... Uh, you know, I guess uh, if we have a comment section, if anybody else did, please leave it in the comments. <laughs> um, but, but yes, I totally called the moment she wears white pants. You know, yeah, she's going like, to have her first period. Yeah, because you, you pointed out she's in the tent. You're like, oh, white pants. Yeah. She's going to get her period. And sure enough, she looks at her crotch. She's like, mom. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> you had to wear white. Of course. Of course you had to wear white. You also know that it was a male screenwriter because they never talked about cramps. Yes. That is true. Because, you know, in the yeah. next scene, she's out hiking with her mom, and I'm like, so I assume she's having horrible cramps right now. <laughs> no, it's magical getting your period. Well, I sure yeah. remember my first period, and I was like, something's happening. <laughs> it was painful. Well, that's another thing I, I loved about the plot is that, um, you know, she has her first period, and then the, the brothers really start to go after her because, yeah. you know, they need to get her pregnant. Well, because they smell blood. It first also blood. attracts bears. <laughs> Luckily, there's no bears in Holland. <laughs> we have seven psychopaths, but we don't, don't have bears. Then it might have turned into The Revenant, or the movie that uh, people thought The Revenant was. The plus thing we didn't have to worry about when filming in Holland was bears. <laughs> <laughs> but unless I'm mistaken, I'm pretty sure you can't get pregnant when you're on... You're not at your most fertile when you're... Pre when you're no, that's true. I, I looked it up, and like you can get pregnant when you're on your period, but it's not it's not an especially fertile time huh. for women. No, exactly. But Although, if, if she had like seven guys jizzing in her, like that would have upped the odds considerably. By seven, probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe maybe that was the whole like setup. They're like, okay, you got... We really need this to happen, guys. So we're going to need seven of you. Like, we're not going to take any chances. No one's going to buy it if it's just five. Yeah. <laughs> Or four. I mean, come on. But yeah, like it was funny the way that the movie, the movie like really telegraphed the period thing. Yep. Yeah. It was. It was a big, big. Well, if it was going to be called First Blood. Yeah. It was a big plot point. Oh, yeah. you know, I feel like this movie would be a good double feature with um, the Company of Wolves. I haven't seen that. It's a Neil Jordan film, which again is about young budding female lady womanhood. Oh. Because, <laughs> yeah, there's not a lot of movies about... At least I'm trying to think of American movies with... with... No, we, and we were talking about this beforehand because we were talking about... Um, we were talking about Jim Henson movies. Yes. And I was saying that one of the things I liked a lot about Labyrinth is it's very much like a young woman's coming-of-age story. Yeah. 
you know, it's it's really about a young girl growing up and kind of like leaving her childhood behind. And that that's a little that seemed like a little bit of a rare bird. Yeah. Uh, now this, I mean, in a twisted way, this falls under that as well. It does. Uh. Yeah, with the extra like creepy twist of like virginity and yeah, which which is a great horror theme in general. I feel like uh, that's true. Uh. Yeah, it's it's somewhat outmoded social concept in my opinion, but you know, play, it plays well in horror. That's true. But having you know the the nightmares of of seven naked men with penis heads <laughs> raping you is is my my teenage years were as full of turmoil as anyone else's but i don't remember the penis head dreams <laughs> i remember being really horny because i was a fucking teenager well, I, I still believe in mushrooms so this <laughs> true <laughs> um oh that was the other thing that i really liked was um the whole like pocket knife and machete thing oh that was amazing you know when yes uh, yeah her um kind of sorta but not boyfriend comes over and it yep. gives her a little pocket knife as a as a birthday gift yep and then she takes out her dad's machete <laughs> and he's like oh i see you already have a knife <laughs> and that's i'm just really i mean the machete comes back but the pocket knife doesn't i thought for sure the pocket knife oh that's true yeah, huh? so that whole scene was basically just in it for that moment of you, like and, the comparing um, knives yeah no it was it was just an extended penis joke <laughs> which is pretty funny and um do, do you think there was any significance to the fact that they dropped the dad's machete on the the bank of the river when they were camping they're like ah, oh, we'll pick it up later. yeah because that's where they pick it up when they're blowing up the boat because it's still there oh so they leave it there the entire time, by the water, the only thing they still have left from the dead, or I don't know if that's true, but... Yeah. You know, something that was clearly belonged to, to dead. That's really funny, because that's a, that's an incredibly belabored setup. Yes. Because I feel like, in most movies, you could just be like, oh, here's a machete we're bringing on our camping trip. And if they oh. used it yeah. to attack, you know, their attackers at some point, you'd be like, oh, okay. You know, yeah. not like, oh, well, it's really important that we leave it here. No, and it's like half, half in and half out of the water. Exactly. And it's like half open as well. And you cut to that. I think that shot's in there twice. Just like the insert shot of like, it's there. It's still yeah. there. Yeah. Uh, and then they grab. But also the fact that they have to run from the, at that point, six Johnsons. And the only way they can get out of it is by blowing up a rubber boat just with their mouths. And it's like, hold on, six guys that are trying to attack us. We need half an hour to like blow up this boat. Oh man, you know. And I just realized uh, when you said they're running away from six Johnsons. Oh my god! <laughs> Why did it take that long? <laughs> because it's so obvious it's that why so would you even obvious. notice it? Wow, that's embarrassing. <laughs> Well, this was the era of Big Johnson teas. Wow. <laughs> it's almost too obviously here. Like, nah. That wasn't that wasn't what they were doing. It hadn't even, this thought hasn't even crossed my mind. That's so embarrassing. <laughs> oh, I think it's been a long time for both of us. Wow. Wow. You, we're single. <laughs> i did like that she was wearing an uh, la lakers cap yeah which is interesting yeah i'm also not sure if it's actually are you allowed to put that in a movie 
Like, do you need permission from the Lakers to use... Uh... I feel like that's more of a thing now in the era of reality television where they blur out every logo. Right, yeah. Because it's not really like... You can't you can't say that they're making money off the use of the Lakers cap in a Dutch <laughs> film from 1992. The Lakers actually... If you, if you look at the charts, yeah. once this movie came out... There was, like... a, there was a brief spike in baseball uh, Lakers ball cap sales. <laughs> You know, they did say that her dad was American. Yes. So yeah, maybe... so I think that's why they had, right, like the... Oh, yeah. And the dad owned giant machetes. <laughs> so, the... Okay, so the the the, the original Dr. John... Dr. Johnson um, was the guy who did the experiment with, like, in vitro fertilization. Yes. From whence progressed these seven yeah. psychopathic sons. But he apparently also was uh, an, a servant of the the creepy embryo because he's also the one that sent the that had the whole crate with all the stuff in it. Oh, and then he was at the uh, the whole scene at the beginning of him yes, like calling water, it up. Yeah, yeah. And then you cut to twenty one years later. Yes. And then sure, it connects. Yeah, because apparently he had died and then his wife had sent the whole crate to this college professor or at least to the, the right. university of wherever town this was at so uh, how it all got into holland is a little convoluted we'll call it the university of rotterdam because <laughs> that was one of the locations where exactly, they shot yeah. it. <laughs> um so yeah a lot of, a lot of creepy things ended up in holland for some reason yeah that's uh, where creepy things go that's <laughs> <laughs> Also, I guess that um, that place where um, the characters end up, <laughs> where they're keeping there's a there's a creepy old building where they're keeping the, the seven fourth. psychopaths yeah. locked up, which is also a national park. Yeah, beach bulls. Yes, where yeah. rare birds live. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> How big is this? It doesn't seem like a very no. Large well, that's country. kind of thing. It's probably I I I should know this, um, but I I don't know exactly how big it is, but I know that Holland's tiny, so there's. There's not a lot of places where you can go where you're where it's completely deserted. Yeah, there are uh, a lot of abandoned buildings in this movie. Yeah, exactly. Which like the the abandoned orphanage. There is yeah. no way that there would be a giant abandoned orphanage <laughs> just somewhere randomly in Holland. Like that would have been like an apartment building or like you know offices or something immediately. I feel like um, derelict buildings are also a horror trope. Yes, which maybe they yeah they kind of clung to. Yeah, I know that's in Broken Toys. Like, there's a lot of yeah. Uh, fun tropes in there. Yes. And and the mouth harmonic, whatever that thing was. The blank blank. The I don't know if you're allowed to call it this anymore, but they're also called Jews harps. Oh. <laughs> I did not know that. Yeah. <laughs> I get there are worse things to call things, I guess, but that's a that's a um a slang phrase that I've heard for that. Wait, which kinda creepy. like it came into the movie and then didn't really figure no, except much. that it made creepy sounds. It made a creepy sound. Yeah. And then the pocket knife was there, but didn't really... Was yeah. just there as a penis joke. <laughs> <laughs> but the garbage strike ended up being significant. Yes. Because at one point, the mom has to jump from a building and garbage... Piled up garbage breaks her fall. Yep. Which... Yeah, and also actually in another way... Um... The best friend Peter in the beginning says, "I'm going to go take care of my aunt because she slipped over the garbage due to the strike." 
Right. And then that comes back in later as well. Yeah, like that uh, That same woman ends up figuring later in the story as like a minor character. And yeah. you pointed out she's like a famous yes, yeah, Dutch actress. Yeah. Which again is like, I it, it, it kind of tickles me to see like these very laborious setups in the movie, which do pay off, but uh, often in extremely minor ways. No, and it's kind of fun. Like also I've... I've I've written some horror movies and like watched a lot of them and then you sometimes realize this the more simple the plot is uh the better it almost makes the movie because you can yeah. concentrate on all the other stuff around it and here it just explaining the plot like even in a pitch session that would take you like 20 minutes true and I feel like explaining it people would halfway through go like wait wait what <laughs> <laughs> but it's not a hard movie to follow no it isn't no given for how much is going on and like and now I feel plots are so much simpler yeah no, and, and, you know, again, like, I like that, um, I, I've said it before, but I like that structure that I kind of envisage in my mind yeah. with, like, the plot strands, like, twisting together, which, yeah. I, like, I think is kind of cool. I and, mean, like, yeah. it, it takes a little bit of time to get where it's going, but that's another thing that I appreciate, especially, yeah. you know, these days where it's, like, you have to open with a fucking action sequence. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's true. They don't do that at all. They open with a still image and, and a voiceover. Yes. Which I don't think the movie even needs because they explain the exact same thing later on. Yeah, maybe it's in there for dummies like me with ADHD who like have trouble like following plot lines in movies. Because I legitimately do have trouble with following movie plots sometimes. Yeah, although all this feels this is also like, shit, we need something scary at the beginning. So you know how, how every story always... I don't know if... <laughs> Did you ever watch The Snorkels as a kid? The Snorks? The... Yeah. They're yeah, the snorks, the ones they had the, the little the two, things yeah, on there. Yeah, they're yeah. called the snorkels in, in Holland. But oh. every episode also starts with this captain reading a letter of like, and I found the, these strange creatures. And then it goes to like the snorks land. Really? Yeah, it does. Did, did they just put that in for Dutch kids because they thought they were dumb? Because <laughs> I don't remember. Here? I, don't, I don't remember that from the cartoon. Well, we need to look that up because that's how all of them started. And this feels like that. Like it's... It's someone reading a letter of, like, something bad happens, and then we start the story. Do um, Dutch people expect their movies to start with epistolary <laughs> format? Like, do they all get... All movies. Up until today, they all start with... <laughs> do they get, like, really discombobulated if they don't? They're like, wait, no one's reading to me. <laughs> <laughs> that means it has to be a documentary. <laughs> yeah, special thanks to Cinephile Video, 11280 Santa Monica Boulevard. Zip code is 90025. Visit them if you're in the L.A. area. Um, it still exists. There is still a building where you can go and you can rent physical media. You can rent it for a whole week. <laughs> That's, I didn't even know. That's amazing. I know. It's, it's like time traveling 15 um, years ago. And they had the Johnsons, which makes it even better. Yeah, which is spectacular. Yes. I'm glad that somebody is carrying the torch and that that can be a thing here in this glorious urban center. Exactly, so that when next time in. someone asks you, have you seen the Johnsons, you can say, yes, I have. <laughs> <laughs> because I found it at Cinephile. And support them. Because, oh, and I should also point out, do you, um, I couldn't find this movie when I went there. I knew they had it, because you can look up their catalog online. So I was like, oh, you know, there's like a Dutch section. I'll look there, and I didn't see it. A Dutch section? Yes. Which seems to be like, you know, maybe kind of like the more straightforward yeah. dramas that usually get funded. <laughs> In Holland. And Paul Verhoeven. Yeah. And then, well, I think he has his own section. Oh, nice. And um, because they have director's sections at Cinephile. So I was like, well, it's, you know, it's a genre picture. It's probably in the horror section. They have like a giant, like, section of just mixed horror. And I was like, no, these are like, you know, just like straight up, like, just 
you know, horror shit that you'd see on Netflix kind of thing. So I went up and asked, and I said, I'm looking for a Dutch horror film called Johnson's. Like, where would that be? And the guy went to pull it off the shelf. He's like, ah, oh, it's in the Euro trash section. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yes, this movie's going to be great. <laughs> because that is one of my favorite sections in the video store. <laughs> you know, cheek by gel with uh, just Franco and uh, Radley Metzger. That's awesome. <laughs> The movie is also, by the way, but not with subtitles. It's on YouTube. So anybody who doesn't need English subtitles. If you don't need English subs, you can catch it on YouTube. But I think what you should do is you get in the car, drive to L.A. and rent this movie from Cinephile. I agree. And tell them that, have you seen this sent you? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But I wonder what would happen with this movie if it it were to be remade in the U.S. It would be shit. Yeah. I feel yeah. like the plot would be much more linear. Exactly. And, like, stripped down a lot. It would be a lot cheaper. Um, it, but they wouldn't get rid oh, of... they'll probably have more money, but still look cheaper. Yeah. they. You know, they'd probably... It would probably be, like, sci-fi channel level budget. Right, yeah. And they wouldn't get rid of any of the kind... Like, borderline offensive stuff about um, creepy Amazonian religions. <laughs> they would leave that in. They'd be like, oh, we're, we're not going to be PC. Here. Yeah, and the, the embryo, just... the embryo god would probably be CG and look like shit. And... Oh, that's uh, so depressing. Yeah, yeah, it would look like garbage. Yep. Well, catch this movie in its original form. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, before we go, is are there any projects of yours that you want to plug or uh, promo <laughs> that you would like to do? Websites you would like to pimp? Well, if anybody in the LA area wants to know where to get a good burger, they can always look at theburgerists.com. Nice. Um, that's completely unhorror related, but uh, still, everyone loves burgers. Yeah, exactly. If, you, if after watching the Johnsons, you are hungry and you want to grab a good burger, then then go do that. <laughs> then watch our videos on the burgerist. A burger with lots of ketchup, please. <laughs> so that's burgerist.com? Yes. And I believe you guys have an Instagram as well. Yes, <laughs> at burgerists on Instagram and also Twitter and Facebook as well. Um, so we do uh, movies about. We profile cool hamburger places in and around LA. Um, and yeah, there are also some horror projects in the works, but those are still in very early stages. Um, so hopefully I can come back and plug those for real later on. <laughs> yes, you'll hear about them first on here. <laughs> but I want to thank my guest, Yvka Van Berkeler, for appearing. <laughs> thank you, anytime. And thank you for suggesting the Johnsons. <laughs> I'm very glad that I got to see it as well. Yes, please do. Support one of the best Dutch horror movies. <laughs> one of the only Dutch horror movies. <laughs> Makes it extra important to support. <laughs> <laughs>